Chapter fifty five, part six of a popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A popular history of France from the earliest times, volume six by Francois Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter fifty five. Louis the fifteenth, the philosophers, part six. Henceforth, Rousseau had chosen his own road giving up the drawing-rooms and the habits of that elegant society for which he was not born and the admiration of which had developed his pride he made up his mind to live independent copying music to get his bread now and then smitten with the women of the world who sought him out in his retirement in love with madame d'epinay and madame d'oudetot anon returning to the coarse servant wench whom he had but lately made his wife and whose children he had put in the foundling hospital music at that time absorbed all minds rousseau brought out a little opera entitled le devin du village or the village wizard which had a great success it was played at Fontainebleau before the king Quote, i was there that day writes rousseau in the same untidy array which was usual with me a great deal of beard and wig rather badly trimmed taking this want of decency for an act of courage i entered in this state the very room into which would come a short time afterwards the king the queen the royal family and all the court when the lights were lit seeing myself in this array in the midst of people all extensively got up i began to be ill at ease i asked myself if i were in my proper place if i were properly dressed and after a few moments disquietude i answered yes with an intrepidity which arose perhaps more from the impossibility of getting out of it than from the force of my arguments after this little dialogue i plucked up so much that i should have been quite intrepid if there had been any need of it but whether it were the effect of the master's presence or natural kindness of heart i observed nothing but what was obliging and civil in the curiosity of which i was the object i was steeled against all their jibes but their caressing air which i had not expected overcame me so completely that i trembled like a child when things began i heard all about me a whispering of women who seemed to me as beautiful as angels and who said to one another below their breath this is charming this is enchanting there is not a note that does not appeal to the heart the pleasure of causing emotion in so many lovable persons moved me myself to tears the emotions of the eighteenth century were vivid and easily roused fastening upon everything without any earnest purpose and without any great sense of responsibility it grew as hot over a musical dispute as over the gravest questions of morality or philosophy grimm had attacked french music rousseau supported his thesis by a lettre sur la musique it was the moment of the great quarrel between the parliament and the clergy Quote, when my letter appeared there was no more excitement save against me says rousseau it was such that the nation has never recovered from it when people read that this pamphlet probably prevented a revolution in the state they will fancy they must be dreaming and grimm adds in his correspondence quote, 
the italian actors who have been playing for the last ten months on the stage of the opera de paris and who are called here buffoons have so absorbed the attention of paris that the parliament in spite of all its measures and proceedings which should have earned its celebrity could not but fall into complete oblivion a wit has said that the arrival of manelli saved us from a civil war and jean jacques rousseau of geneva whom his friends have dubbed the citizen of citizens or le citoyen par excellence that eloquent and bilious foe of the sciences has just set fire to the four corners of paris with a lettre sur la musique in which he proves that it is impossible to set french words to music what is not easy to believe and is none the less true for all that is that m rousseau was afraid of being banished for this pamphlet it would have been odd to see rousseau banished for having spoken ill of french music after having with impunity dealt with the most delicate political matter rousseau had just printed his discours sur l'inégalité des conditions a new and violent picture of the corruptions of human society quote, inequality being almost nil in a state of nature he says it derives its force and increment from the development of our faculties and from the progress of the human mind according to the poet it is gold and silver but according to the philosopher it is iron and corn which have civilized men and ruined the human race the singularity of his paradox had worn off rousseau no longer astounded he shocked the good sense as well as the aspirations superficial or generous of the eighteenth century the discours sur l'inégalité des conditions was not a success Quote, i have received sir your new book against the human race wrote voltaire i thank you for it you will please men to whom you tell truths about them and you will not make them any better never was so much good wit expended in the desire to make beasts of us one feels disposed to walk on all fours when one reads your work however as it is more than sixty years since i lost the knack i unfortunately find it impossible to recover it and i leave that natural gait to those who are better fitted for it than you or i no more can i embark upon a visit to the savages of canada first because the illnesses to which i am subject render a european doctor necessary to me secondly because war has been introduced into that country and because the examples of our nations have rendered the savages almost as wicked as ourselves i shall confine myself to being a peaceable savage in the solitude i have selected hard by your own country where you ought to be rousseau had indeed thought of returning and settling at geneva in seventeen fifty four during a trip he made thither he renounced the catholic faith which he had embraced at sixteen under the influence of madame de varin without any more conviction than he carried with him in his fresh abjuration Quote, ashamed says he at being excluded from my rights of citizenship by the profession of a cult other than that of my fathers i resolved to resume the latter openly i considered that the gospel was the same for all christians and that as the fundamental difference of dogma arose from meddling with explanations of what could not be understood it appertained in every country to the sovereigns alone to fix both the cult and the unintelligible dogma and that consequently 
it was the duty of the citizen to accept the dogma and follow the cult prescribed by law strange eccentricity of the human mind the shackles of civilization are oppressive to rousseau and yet he would impose the yoke of the state upon consciences the natural man does not reflect and does not discuss his religion whilst seeking to recover the obliterated ideal of nature the philosopher halts on the road at the principles of louis the fourteenth touching religious liberties madame d'epinay had offered rousseau a retreat in her little house the ermitage there it was that he began the tale of la nouvelle Héloïse, which was finished at marshal de montmorency's when the susceptible and cranky temper of the philosopher had justified the malevolent predictions of grimm the latter had but lately said to madame d'epinay i see in rousseau nothing but pride concealed everywhere about him you will do him a very sorry service in giving him a home at the ermitage but you will do yourself a still more sorry one solitude will complete the blackening of his imagination he will fancy all his friends unjust ungrateful and you first of all if you once refuse to be at his beck and call he will accuse you of having bothered him to live under your roof and of having prevented him from yielding to the wishes of his country i already see the germ of these accusations in the turn of the letters you have shown me rousseau quarrelled with madame d'epinay and shortly afterwards with all the philosophical circle grimm helvetius d'olbach diderot his quarrels with the last were already of old date they had made some noise Quote, good god said the duke of castries in astonishment wherever i go i hear of nothing but this rousseau and this diderot did anybody ever fellows who are nobody fellows who have no house who lodge on a third floor positively one can't stand that sort of thing the rupture was at last complete it extended to grimm as well as to diderot quote, nobody can put himself in my place wrote rousseau and nobody will see that i am a being apart who has not the character the maxims the resources of the rest of them and who must not be judged by their rules rousseau was right he was a being apart and the philosophers could not forgive him for his independence his merits as well as his defects annoyed them equally his lettre contre les spectacles had exasperated voltaire the stage at duce was in danger quote, it is against that jean jacques of yours that i am most enraged he writes in his correspondence with d'alembert he has written several letters against the scandal to deacons of the church of geneva to my ironmonger to my cobbler this arch-maniac who might have been something if he had left himself in your hands has some notion of standing aloof he writes against theatricals after having done a bad play he writes against france which is a mother to him he picks up four or five rotten old hoops off diogenes tub and gets inside them to bathe he cuts his friends he writes to me myself the most impertinent letter that ever fanatic scrawled he writes to me in so many words you have corrupted geneva in requital of the asylum she gave you as if i cared to soften the manners of geneva as if i wanted an asylum 
as if I had taken any in that city of Socinian preachers, as if I were under any obligation to that city. More moderate and more equitable than Voltaire, D'Alembert felt the danger of discord among the philosophical party. In vain he wrote to the irritated poet, quote, I come to Jean-Jacques, not Jean-Jacques le Front de Pompignan, who thinks he is somebody, but to Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who thinks he is a cynic, and who is only inconsistent and ridiculous. I grant that he has written you an impertinent letter. I grant that you and your friends have reason to complain of that. In spite of all this, however, I do not approve of your declaring openly against him, as you are doing, and therein I need only quote to you your own words. What will become of the little flock if it is divided and scattered? We do not find that Plato or Aristotle or Sophocles or Euripides wrote against Diogenes, although Diogenes said something insulting to them all. Jean-Jacques is a sick man with a good deal of wit, and one who only has wit when he has fever. He must neither be cured nor have his feelings hurt. Voltaire replied with haughty temper to these wise counsels, and the philosophers remained forever embroiled with Rousseau. Isolated henceforth by the good as well as by the evil tendencies of his nature, Jean-Jacques stood alone against the philosophical circle which he had dropped, as well as against the Protestant or Catholic clergy whose creeds he often offended. He had just published Le Contrat Social, quote, the gospel, says M. Saint-Marc-Girardin, of the theory as to the sovereignty of the state representing the sovereignty of the people. The governing powers of the time had some presentiment of its danger. They had vaguely comprehended what weapons might be sought therein by revolutionary instincts and interests. Their anxiety and their anger as yet brooded silently. The director of publications, de la librairie m de malesherbes was one of the friends and almost one of the disciples of rousseau whom he shielded he himself corrected the proofs of the emile which rousseau had just finished the book had barely begun to appear when on the eighth of june seventeen sixty two rousseau was awakened by a message from la marchale de luxembourg the parliament had ordered emile to be burned and its author arrested Rousseau took flight, reckoning upon finding refuge at Geneva. The influence of the French government pursued him thither. The Grand Council condemned Emile. One single copy had arrived at Geneva. It was this which was burned by the hand of the common hangman nine days after the burning at Paris in the Place de Grève. Quote, the contrat social has received its whipping on the back of Emile, was the saying at Geneva. Quote, at the instigation of m de voltaire they have avenged upon me the cause of god jean-jacques declared rousseau rashly put his name to his book voltaire was more prudent one day having been imprisoned for some verses which were not his he had taken the resolution to impudently repudiate the paternity of his own works Quote, you must never publish anything under your own name he wrote to Elbetius. Le Pucelle was none of my doing, of course. Master Joly de Fleury will make a fine thing of his requisition. 
I shall tell him that he is a calumniator, that La Pucelle is his own doing, which he wants to put down to me out of spite. Geneva refused asylum to the proscribed philosopher. He was warned of hostile intentions on the part of the magnific seigneurs of Bern. Neuchâtel and the King of Prussia's protection alone were left. Thither he went for refuge. Received with open arms by the governor, my Lord Marshal Keith, he wrote thence to the premier syndic Favre, a letter abdicating his rights of burghership and citizenship in the town of Geneva. Quote, I have neglected nothing, he said, to gain the love of my compatriots. Nobody could have had worse success. I desired to indulge them even in their hate. The last sacrifice remaining for me to make is that of a name which was dear to me. Some excitement, nevertheless, prevailed at Geneva. Rousseau had partisans there. The success of Emile had been immense at Paris, and was destined to exercise a serious influence upon the education of a whole generation. Quote, it is good, wrote Voltaire, that the brethren should know that yesterday six hundred persons came, for the third time, to protest on behalf of Jean-Jacques against the Council of Geneva, which had dared to condemn the vicaire Savoyard. The Genevese magistrates thought it worth while to defend their acts. The Lettre écrite de la Campagne, published to that end, were the work of the Attorney-General Robert Tranchant. Rousseau replied to them in the Lettre de la Montagne, with a glowing eloquence having a spice of irony. He hurled his missiles at Voltaire, whom, with weakly exaggeration, he accused of being the author of all his misfortunes. Quote, those gentlemen of the Grand Council, he said, see Monsieur de Voltaire so often. How is it that he did not inspire them with a little of that tolerance which he is incessantly preaching, and of which he sometimes has need? If they had consulted him a little on this matter, it appears to me that he might have addressed them pretty nearly thus. Gentlemen, it is not the arguers who do harm. Philosophy can gang its ain gate without risk. The people either do not hear it at all, or let it babble on, and pay it back all the disdain it feels for them. I do not argue myself, but others argue, and what harm comes of it? We have arranged that my great influence in the court, and my pretended omnipotence, should serve you as a pretext for allowing a free, peaceful course, to the sportive jests of my advanced years. That is a good thing, but do not, for all that, burn graver writings, for that would be too shocking. I have so often preached tolerance. It must not always be required of others, and never displayed towards them. This poor creature believes in God. Let us pass over that. He will not make a sect. He is a bore. All arguers are. If all bores of books were to be burned, the whole country would have to be made into one great fireplace. Come, come, let us leave those to argue who leave us to joke. Let us burn neither people nor books, and remain at peace. That is my advice. That, in my opinion, is what might have been said, only in better style, by M. Voltaire, and it would not have been, as it seems to me, the worst advice he could have given." End quote. 
my lord marshal had left neuchatel rousseau no longer felt safe there he made up his mind to settle in the island of st pierre in the middle of the lake of bienne before long an order from the bernese senate obliged him to quit it quote, within four-and-twenty hours and with a prohibition against ever returning under the heaviest penalties rousseau went through paris and took refuge in england whither he was invited by the friendliness of the historian hume there it was that he began writing his confession already the reason of the unhappy philosopher clouded as it had sometimes been by the violence of his emotions was beginning to be shaken at the foundations he believed himself to be the victim of an immense conspiracy at the head of which was his friend hume the latter flew into a rage he wrote to baron d'albach my dear baron rousseau is a scoundrel rousseau was by this time mad he returned to paris the prince of conti faithful to his philosophical affections quartered him at the castle of tri near gisard thence he returned to paris still persecuted he said by invisible enemies retiring finally to the pavillon of vermenonville which had been offered to him by m girardin he died there at the age of sixty-six sinking even more beneath imaginary woes than under the real sorrows and bitter deceptions of his life the disproportion between his intellect and his character between the boundless pride and the impassioned weakness of his spirit had little by little estranged his friends and worn out the admiration of his contemporaries by his writings rousseau acted more powerfully upon posterity than upon his own times his personality had ceased to do his genius injustice he belonged moreover and by anticipation to a new era from the restless working of his mind as well as from his moral and political tendencies it was no longer of the eighteenth century properly speaking though the majority of the philosophers outlived him his work was not their work their world was never his he had attempted a noble reaction but one which was fundamentally and in reality impossible the impress of his early education had never been thoroughly effaced he believed in god he had been nurtured upon the gospel in childhood he admired the morality and the life of jesus christ but he stopped at the boundaries of adoration and submission Quote, the spirit of jean-jacques rousseau inhabits the moral world but not that other which is above m joubert has said in his pensee the weapons were insufficient and the champion was too feeble for the contest the spirit of the moral world was vanquished as a foregone conclusion against the systematic infidelity which was more and more creeping over the eighteenth century the christian faith alone with all its forces could fight and triumph but the christian faith was obscured and enfeebled it clung to the vessel's rigging instead of defending its powerful hull the flood was rising meanwhile and the dikes were breaking one after another the religious belief of the savoyard vicar imperfect and inconsistent 
such as it is set forth in emile and that sincere love of nature which was recovered by rousseau in his solitude remained powerless to guide the soul and regulate life Quote, what the eighteenth century lacked m guizot melange biographique says madame la comtesse de romfort what there was of superficiality in its ideas and of decay in its morals of senselessness in its pretensions and of futility in its creative power has been strikingly revealed to us by experience we have learned it to our cost we know we feel the evil bequeathed to us by that memorable epoch it preached doubt egotism materialism it laid for some time an impure and blasting hand upon noble and beautiful phases of human life but if the eighteenth century had done only that if such had been merely its chief characteristic can any one suppose that it would have carried in its wake so many and such important matters that it would have so moved the world it was far superior to all its skeptics to all its cynics what do i say superior nay it was essentially opposed to them and continually gave them the lie despite the weakness of its morals the frivolity of its forms the mere dry bones of such and such of its doctrines despite its critical and destructive tendency it was an ardent and a sincere century a century of faith and disinterestedness it had faith in the truth for it claimed the right thereof to reign in this world it had faith in humanity for it recognized the right thereof to perfect itself and would have had that right exercised without obstruction it erred it lost itself amid this twofold confidence it attempted what was far beyond its right and power it misjudged the moral nature of man and the conditions of the social state its ideas as well as its works contracted the blemish of its views but granted so much the original idea dominant in the eighteenth century the belief that man truth and society are made for one another worthy of one another and called upon to form a union this correct and salutary belief rises up and overtops all its history that belief it was the first to proclaim and would fain have realized hence its power and its popularity over the whole face of the earth hence also to descend from great things to small and from the destiny of man to that of the drawing-room hence the seductiveness of that epoch and the charm it scattered over social life never before were seen all the conditions all the classes that form the flower of a great people however diverse they might have been in their history and still were in their interests thus forgetting their past their personality in order to draw near to one another to unite in a communion of the sweetest manners and solely occupied in pleasing one another in rejoicing and hoping together during fifty years which were to end in the most terrible conflicts between them at the death of king louis the fifteenth in seventeen seventy four the easy-mannered joyance the peaceful and brilliant charm of fashionable and philosophical society were reaching their end 
the time of stern realities was approaching with long strides End of chapter 55